Who's had a great week? Yeah? yeah? Three people who had a great week. How many went to Guns N' Roses or the Bogan and said, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And uh, how many people did not go to Guns N' Roses? I did not because Guns N' Roses are a commercial sellout. Yeah, I'm from Seattle in my thinking. But anyway, uh, I wouldn't have gone to Guns N' Roses anyway because I'm old. And And, uh, anyhow, anyhow. But we did have the Red Froggers were at Guns N' Roses. If you don't know who the Red Froggers are, here's some of them there. Uh, And uh, Sarah and the Young Adults team. One of the things they do in the city is serving at big events like that. They were the seventh the week before at Guns N' Roses. They'll be helping out during the university orientation as as well. Giving people drinks of water to minimize the amount of other liquids that they're drinking. Uh, Walking people home, looking after people in those sort of settings, which is cool, isn't it? And also having great conversations where God can move, which is really good. So if you're keen to volunteer in Red Frogs, just need to talk to the amazing Sarah August, and uh, you can do some training and be part of that team as well. Is that all right? Very, very good. Well, we asked, we're launching into our e-groups starting soon, right? How many people love e-group? Right, it's like a small group. We get together in the middle of the week, uh, encourage each other, learn something together out of the Bible, and pray for each other. Uh, how many know that you can't go wrong doing those three things? Uh, and uh, you usually, you can usually you can sneak a few biscuits and a cup of tea in as well. And how many know that a cup of tea is worth it? Uh, and I know at our e group we often have quality quality catering, uh, which usually involves chocolate. We have to get chocolate because because uh, one of our members is gluten free, so we can't just do biscuits. So we have to get chocolate as well, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and so our e-groups are starting uh, this week and next week, sort of different. It's a bit of a staggered start. Some are starting this middle of this coming week. Some are starting in the middle of the next week. Uh, and I, I was thinking a lot about how church works, about how the kingdom of God works. And um, one of the things we've been struggling with as a church is our live feed to the parents' room. Right, we've got a VIP parents area now in the auditorium, so there it's it's completely live now. Uh, but what we have been attempting to do for the past year and a half uh, is to project the service via a camera on the desk back there into the into the library, which is a mere uh, four or forty meters away. Um, but it does go via Texas, I think. Uh, and, um, and 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 there's 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 a few components. There's a camera which plugs into a uh, 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 a capture device, which so it goes from HDMI mini to HDMI full size HDMI into the capture device, and then it goes into a USB three output into the laptop, right? And then in the laptop, it gets captured in the capture device software, then pushed into the studio software, where we mix it with the sound from the sound desk, which has to come by RCAs, but our sound desk doesn't have RCA outputs. Anyhow, and then it goes when it's it's all mixed, then it gets fed up to the live stream app uh, uh, website into the into the yeah, the matrix goes into the matrix there. And then at the other end, uh, you have a laptop where you log into the live stream thing, uh, like you can do on your phone as well. You just log into the live stream thing, and then it comes from the laptop into the stupid Mac output thing because it's a Mac laptop, and then that converts it into HDMI again. And we're back to HDMI. And then there's a television there, just like your television at home. Uh, and then you watch the service on the television, right? It's perfectly simple, right? Except that it's never, ever worked properly. Not once has it ever worked properly, right? Uh, and so we just want to, we want to give a round of applause to the mums and dads who have been putting up with that for a year and a half. <laughs> and um, and the, the question is, what's missing? And I've got this question for you. I've written it on a, on a slide. Have you got that, Jack? What's missing? 
What's it's that's actually not a, it's not actually a word joke anyway. Just bear with me. This is the first time I've done uh, PowerPoints for a long time, uh, and also um, because um, Jack's actually not. If you look back there, where Jack would normally be sitting, there's just an empty desk. We've had to move Jack. He's actually behind the curtains. And he's like he's like the Oz. He's back there making it happen and. Uh, and what's missing is, is, is one word. There's one thing missing. And I think when things don't work, there's always one thing missing, and it's this. Next slide. It's connection. It doesn't matter how good our camera is. It doesn't matter how awesome the service is. It doesn't matter what laptops we're using. It doesn't matter what TV we're using. It doesn't matter how far away we're wanting to project it. We could actually, if as long as it all connects, we can live stream anywhere in the world at any any time we want to. But if there's if the connection, if all those points of connection, if there's not a connection where it's running through, it doesn't matter how much power you've got going on, it's not going to happen, right? Do you know, in all of our life, it's when the rubber actually hits the road where things start happening. Where I think actually a lot of the time we're thinking about things, we're worrying about things, we're, we're, we're hoping for things, we're wishing for things, we're rubbing lamps. But it's actually when the rubber hits the road, when we get some traction in our life, where we get some connection, where things begin to move forward, Right? And I reckon that this is my statement for today, which I want you to remember. And so I've written down on a slide, which is my next slide. And it says this, the, the, the realities of the kingdom of God are invisible and they're, they're untouchable, right? Without connection, they're, they're like the cloud. They're like the internet. The things of God, like healing, breakthrough, even things like hope, even things like joy, even the things we need every day, like forgiveness and the love of God. It doesn't matter how real they are if we don't connect. And it's actually connection that makes the realities of the kingdom real. It makes the kingdom realities real in life. My statement is that connection makes the kingdom a reality. It is a reality, but it's not a reality in us until we connect. I don't know, did church make sense to you before you got connected? It doesn't really. The the gospel doesn't really make sense until you dare to believe and reach out and connect. And then it's hard to explain because without connection, it isn't real. It's just ideas. Jesus came from heaven. Jesus was a baby and Jesus grew up. Jesus did miracles. Jesus died for us. Jesus paid for our sins. That's just words. But the reality, when we open our heart, when we humble our heart, we say, I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust, there's a connection that happens that what transforms our life. Do you know, I, got a, I was looking for quotes about connection. And then this morning I opened my phone and I got a great, just a great quote about connection from Maizu, who's an ancient Chinese philosopher and also a cheap cell phone. And Maizu says this, some functionality will be disabled until connection is restored. And I thought, that's a great quote for my sermon. Thank you, Maizu. Some functionality is disabled until connection is restored. How many people have got a girlfriend or a boyfriend or you're married, right? How do we know that some functionality is disabled when there's no connection? Right? And it's disabled until it's restored, right? We won't talk any further about that for the married people, right? But things go missing. Things don't work unless there's a connection. And every now and then in a human relationship, you have to stop and say, hey, we need, we need to have coffee. We need to go out and chat. We need to go for a walk. You need to sit down, focus, listen. Uh, these, I'm just quoting things that have been said to me. But 
The reality is, it's the same in our relationship with God. It's the same in the kingdom of God. We don't have the full functionality of the kingdom until we have our connection with God restored. Does that make sense? Okay, let's have a look at some Bible. Is that all right? I love this story. This is the gospel in a story. Jack's going to throw it up. Uh, You can't read it, but I will. Is that okay? I chose the font size, not Jack. It says this. As they were eating, uh, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Now, just pause there. In that little first part of the sentence, it says, as they were eating, the whole story behind that is that they're celebrating this amazing festival, the Feast of Pentecost, the celebration of, not Pentecost, of Passover, the Feast of Passover, where all the Jewish people are remembering the fact that God brought them out of Egypt generations ago, and Jesus is with his friends, his disciples, and they're in Jerusalem. They're at somebody's house. It's one of the disciples' relatives' house that they're in. They're in the upstairs room, which is where they would gather as family. And they're sitting around and they're eating a meal. But it's not just any old meal. It's a, it's a celebration meal. And as they're eating, Jesus takes some bread and he blesses it. He breaks it in pieces and he gives it to the disciples. And he says, take this and eat it for this is my body. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them all. He said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. Everyone say it confirms the covenant. Everyone say, take it and eat it. Everyone say, drink some of it. Right? It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, says Jesus, he'll not drink the wine again until the day he drinks it anew with us in the Father's kingdom, right? That's either referring to Jesus' return or it's referring to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit's poured out. Then it says this, then they sang a hymn. Isn't that cool? They're eating. Jesus makes a connection with, uh, with ultimate human reality, forgiveness and sin and justification and the power of God to save humanity. When did Jesus make this connection? It doesn't, this is not Jesus standing up in the temple and preaching. This is, not, this, is not, this is not Jesus on the Mount of Olives. This is Jesus with his closest friends. This is Jesus with his nearest disciples, right? They're sitting around in a house, and they're eating a meal, and he makes this connection where he brings all this reality of this, this whole historical plan of God for salvation, which dates back to the Garden of Eden. It comes into this upper room, and he connects it. This whole reality, he connects it to what? A piece of bread and a drink of wine. And he says, this is the new covenant, right? And then they sing a, then they sing a song. My heart is open. Or did they, did they throw their hands in the air? Do you know that, have you, have you like that song, throw my hands in the air? Do you know, if you, if this is what it looks like if you act it out. <laughs> yeah, so if you want a dance move for it, that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, I've been practicing that. They sang a hymn. They threw their hands in the air. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives to pray. And the story goes on. This is connection. Well, check out. I've got a photograph. This is from Jesus' Instagram of the day. There it is there. You can't quite see it. There's a famous photograph. How many people follow Jesus on Instagram? Yeah, okay. This is actually a repost. Leonardo da Vinci reposted this in, 19, in the 1500s. And uh, if, if you jump up here, uh, this is them sitting. This is them sitting in the upper room. You can tell it's the upper room because there's the Italian countryside. 
in the background. So it must have been a very high room in Jerusalem so that you could actually see like the Medici lands in the background. But I don't know, they're there. Anyway, but then this is Jesus. He's in the middle. You can tell he's Jesus because he's doing this. Right? And then all these are the different disciples. And if you're a student of art history, you can know who they all are. And then somewhere along is, is Judas, and Judas looks pretty terrible. And uh, the story goes that Leonardo da Vinci painted his own face in Judas, and other people modeled various others of the disciples. Now, one of the things I don't like about this picture is that it's simply this, is that that's a stupid way to eat a meal with your friends. Uh, if I come to your house and you're all sitting like that, and then I'm sitting somewhere in the distance. So here, here's us looking in on this holy meal in this painting. Because remember, Leonardo da Vinci isn't painting a picture of the meal. He's making a theological statement, which is how they viewed this whole thing in the day. So you're at a distance from the meal itself. The problem with this painting is that I can't reach the bread and I can't reach the cup. The problem is that I can't sit at that table. The statement is that this happens in the distance, this happens. There's a disconnection between that Jesus guy in the middle of that painting and the person looking at the picture. Where's the hustle and bustle? How many people know, if you read the story, it's the busiest time of year in Jerusalem. A few days before they have this big meal, Jesus says to one of his disciples, hey, we need to find a place for us to have the Passover meal. And they're like, we've got to organize this. All the disciples were busy for days getting the, getting the food ready, getting organized. The, the lamb that they eat, they didn't just go down to pack and save and get it. They had to buy an actual lamb. They had to take it to the temple to get it sacrificed. They had to bring it back and cook it. Right? This, is not, this Last Supper would look much more like dinner at your house than it looks like dinner at Leonardo da Vinci's house. Right? There's something wrong about the picture that we need to correct. And I think we've been affected in our theology by this painting. I think we've been negatively affected in our theology by this painting. What Jesus was doing at the Last Supper was much more like your e-group. And somebody had to host it. It was actually at somebody's house. And it was just Jesus turning up midweek. It wasn't the Sabbath. It was just midweek. They were just getting together to pray, to honor God in the, in the way that they eat. And in that moment of just coming together, of being family, being connected, being the, just friends together, Jesus connects reality into that space. My big point for the... For the thing for the day is that connection makes kingdom a reality, right? Here's a quote from Mother Teresa, who's now called the Blessed Mother Teresa, I think. Blessed Mother Teresa is her new name. Uh, have you got that quote, Jack? It says this: When you look at the crucifix, you understand how much Jesus loved you then, when he died. But when you look at the sacred host, this meal Jesus hosting us, you understand how much Jesus loves you now. Jesus loved us when he died on the cross, there's no doubt. But he also loves us when we sit down together, when we break bread together, when we drink together and we honor his presence, then Jesus is live in that place. Jesus is connected in that place. We're not launching e-groups next week and the week after. We're not launching e-groups because we think people in Wellington are not busy enough. That's not our motivation. Right? The motivation is, hey, we've got to do everything we can as a community of faith to create points of connection where the reality of who Jesus is, this, this, this sacred host who loves us now, where we are right now. I've got some more historical art for you. Is that all right? Check out this one. Uh, this is a painting by uh, Jean Rue. 
I can't do the surname in French. Uh, but this is awesome, isn't it? What you can't see from where you're sitting is the flames on everybody's head. I don't know who the person is with the blue scarf over the shoulder, over the arm there, but that person's in a great spot. Uh, I think it could be Mary, but it's the day of Pentecost. Maybe it's Peter, um, but it, usually Mary's got the blue thing. But uh, can you tell I'm not a student of art history? <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering about these pictures rather than telling you about them. But this is a moment of divine connection as well. So this is this is not a lot longer in uh, chronologically from the Last Supper. This is this is something like seven weeks later. Is um is this moment Pentecost? And it's a moment of divine connection. It's the day the church was birthed. It was the day we became the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins. He, went, he, he rose again, conquering death, right? And then he went, ascended to the Father, which is where the gospel story is. That's where Jesus' role in the gospels completed. Then he sends the Holy Spirit, who is his spirit. And the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit now indwells every Christian, every person who's following God, every person who's been set free, the Holy Spirit indwells us, which is a moment of divine connection. It's a powerful moment of divine connection. What were the disciples doing between when Jesus ascended into heaven uh, and when the Holy Spirit returned? Some of them would be sleeping. It says they gathered in the same upper room. Some historians think it's the same room where the Last Supper was, this point of connection. I wonder if they were just there because that was the that, that was a moment of real strong connection with Jesus. Let's be here. Let's be in this space. It might also just be that that was the only room they had access to. They, they gathered there, and, and there's 120 in the upper room. I don't like this painting. I've got a I've got a better painting for you, which I'll show you later on. But they're gathered together in this upper room. Let's look at the scripture. It says, um, "On the day of Pentecost, all the believers." This I think it's two slides down, Jack. There we go. On the day of Pentecost, I'll read it from here. All the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly, I just, just to so you know, suddenly is is forty days after they started the prayer meeting, right? So they're praying, right? They're praying for forty days, and suddenly, you need to know when you're reading the Bible, you just need to know. It was only suddenly because they were beginning to wonder whether it would ever happen. It wasn't like they gathered in straight away. It's like they gathered in after a long pause. Suddenly, there's a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. This, this is connection. It fills the house where they're sitting, right? And they, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Possibly the three most important words in this whole passage are the words, on each of them. See, this isn't the first time in the Bible that the Holy Spirit's appeared. It's not the first time in the Bible the Holy Spirit's come upon someone. It's not the first time in the Bible that the Holy Spirit's appeared like fire. It's not even the first time that God's manifested Himself physically as fire. But it's the first time the Holy Spirit's been poured out on a group of people, on 120 followers, like everyone in the room, everyone in the room. When God moved in Samuel's day, He moved in Samuel's life. He didn't move in everyone else's life. He moved in Samuel's life. When God moved in Noah's day, He moved in Noah's life. When God moved in King David's day, He moved in King David's life. When God moved through Elijah, do you know who He moved through? Elijah. When God moves in the New Testament, do you know who He moves through? He moves through us all. Right, you've got to understand this is a moment of divine connection, but it's a multiplied connection that we can't really get our head around because we've grown up in it. 
The reality of the church today is that there's right now across the world gathering in Sunday services beginning with us right across the world. There's literally billions of Christians gathering and the Holy Spirit's coming upon them like fire, like a real connection. How many of you know when you touch fire, you're not like, well, I don't know if I just, I just don't know if it's really there. Do you know what I mean? Like the HDMI cable and the camera, we're like, just trying to, we're just trying to, well, can we quite, yeah, can we quite make it work? When you're touching the fire, or in Jack's case, when you smear marsh, burning marshmallow across your face, which he did on the way to summer revolution, how many people know that you know you touched fire? Right? How many know when you connect fire, everybody else knows as well. They're like, what happened to all your hands? Right? This is a connection, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. He came on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking another language as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, Peter steps up amongst the apostles, and he says to the crowd, Listen, all of you, fellow Jews, residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake, these people are not drunk, as you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Write that down if you're not sure. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, right? Jump across the next slide, I think. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Notice the gender connection that's new for the Bible. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike, they will prophesy, right? Any questions about how the Bible works for genders? It's all in the New Testament. You've got to understand it, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When God moves, He connects with everybody. He connects in a real way, in a powerful way. He moves in our life. We can connect with Him. He connects with us. His Spirit fills us, giving us power. How many people are thankful about that? Here's another piece of artwork. I like this one better. This is from a Catholic website. I was going to not use it because I couldn't cite. I didn't know who they didn't have there who painted it or whatever. That looks more like the upper room to me than the other one where they had the altar and the person standing there like that. These people all look somewhat terrified. They're very, very crowded. They're in someone's living room and there's 120 of them. There's still someone there like making a basketball shake with their hands. I don't know. That will mean something, I guess. Uh, but there's connection. I like this. There's some hustle and bustle, and it looks a bit more like some real ordinary people. Remember, a connection, connection is what makes kingdom a reality. It's a connection that connects us to Google Maps. It's a connection that does it. doesn't matter how awesome Google Maps is if you don't have a connection. Uh, do you know, I, I wonder about people in the world who maybe they think that, that everyone talks about Google and they're like, I don't get it. I've been playing that dinosaur game for ages. And I just, I don't know, everyone keeps saying, ask Google. I've asked the dinosaur over and over again. I can jump the dinosaur over the cactus. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't, just, don't worry. When you, don't, you know, when you don't have a connection on Google, that's all you got is that dinosaur. And if you press the space bar, he jumps. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just look on Google Maps. I've been, I've been looking at this dinosaur all day. I don't know where your house is, right? But see, sometimes we're in church, and our experience of church, everyone else is talking about, oh, God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness. But come on, let's reach out for a connection. Because it's the connection that turns this into a much bigger reality than just a two-dimensional gray dinosaur jumping over cacti. Awesome. Uh, let's have a look at uh, this next scripture. This is the last one for the morning. 
Uh, it says this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, uh, for they were fishermen. I like that, I like that. Because do we need, to, they were casting a net into the lake, right? Because they were rubbish collectors. Or they were casting a net into the lake because they were computer programmers. They were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen, right? Jesus says, come, follow me. Oh, no, sorry, Jack. I was just pausing for effect. <laughs> Come, follow me. Do you know? It's, they were, they were <laughs> in this moment of just doing their job, Jesus connects with them. See, we all know that Jesus loves ordinary people. But sometimes we think he only loves ordinary people like Jesus saw them at the synagogue and connected with them. They weren't at the synagogue. They weren't in prayer. It wasn't like they were fishermen, but they were also very devout. Sometimes they were fishermen, but they were special sort of fishermen who used to just pray for fish to arrive. Uh, They're just normal fishermen with nets, actual physical nets, and they were just fishing. And Jesus like, ah, awesome. That's who I'm after. Right? He says, I'll send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and they followed him. It's a little irresponsible. Verse 19, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, greatest wit name in the Bible, I reckon, and his brother John, and they were in a boat preparing their nets. See, these guys were even, the second group of guys weren't even ready to go. They were just getting ready. And without delay, he calls out to them, and they leave their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they follow Jesus as well. See, Jesus calls these ordinary people, right? There's two points you've got to understand about this. He calls these ordinary people like you and me. He calls them into this discipleship relationship. But the very first person he calls is this person. Uh, just go back one more. Sorry, Jack boy. Uh, this one person, he says, he sees, uh, who does he see? He says, Simon and his brother Andrew. Just note this. He didn't call Simon. He called Simon and Andrew and James and John. When Jesus, the day Jesus started his gang, it was a gang, not an individual. I love the fact that Jesus loves me individually like he loved Simon individually. He loved Andrew individually. He loved James individually. He loved John individually. He didn't call them individually. Jesus loves you. He died for you individually. He loves you individually. He relate with you individually. But he doesn't only relate with you individually, and he doesn't call you individually. We are called as the church, as a group. We are called to be a people who follow God. Uh, I've got this great quote that Jack's been desperate to show you. Uh, throw it up there, Jack. Oh, now you now you don't want to. Okay, thanks, Jack. This is from Henry Newman, who is a um, theologian. I, I like this. Instead of making us feel that we are better, or more precious, or more valuable than others, our awareness of being chosen opens our eyes to the chosenness of others. That is the great joy of being chosen. The discovery that others are chosen as well. The discovery that others are chosen as well in the house of God. There are many mansions. There is a place for what? everyone, a unique and a special place. There's a place for everyone, but it's a unique and special place. 
So you don't have a unique and special place. You have a place in this man- this house, but there is a place, a unique and special place. Once we deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, how do you know that that's a lifetime journey? We are able to recognize the preciousness of others and their unique places in God's heart. I've got a picture of this quote. Do you want to throw that picture up of the fellows walking on the street? Back one. There you go. There's, there's Jesus just walking along. See, one of the things that uh, I really, I absolutely believe is that you don't, people don't change by themselves. Uh, you, you do change. In, in isolation, you will change, but what you tend to do is you sort of mold. We actually, we actually get better in groups. Uh, I was reading a blog, a fitness blog this week, and uh, the, um, the person blogging it had been, uh, was, a, was a pretty major fitness sort of coach, and um, was at a, a conference with a uh, hundred or so other trainers and stuff, and they brainstormed all the different habits uh, make or habits that will you know habits that they've taught people or told people about that they've used throughout their careers, and they came up with 180 different sorts of habits that they use in their coaching for different sorts of people around diet, exercise, all that sort of stuff. And uh, she says that out of the 180 habits that they identified, none of them identified the habit that they all agreed at the end. They all agreed at the end that the single most important habit in terms of going in terms of improving our fitness and our health. None of them identified it, but they, at the end of the seminar, they all agreed it is the single most important habit. And that's the habit of finding other people to do fitness with. Do you know what the most important habit for you as a Christian in terms of, I'm going to follow Jesus? Pray and read your Bible? Yeah. There, there's 180, probably if we brainstormed it, there's 180 different habits you could put into your life that will help you become a follower of Jesus. But if you look at these guys, the most important thing for the disciples was that they were together in a group and they were with Jesus. And you know, the same is true for us. If we're going to follow Jesus, do you know what it looks like? It looks like Sunday morning, praise and worship, encouraging messages from the Bible, uh, and going out into our, into our week. And it also looks like coming together with a smaller group midweek to encourage each other, to learn together, to grow, to ask some detailed questions about really what is, how, does, how does what was preached on Sunday, how does that look in my life this week? People change in groups. Remember, it's the kingdom, it's connection that makes the kingdom of God a reality. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is this. Uh, why, why wouldn't you not connect? Why is there no connection? Jump to that one, Jack. Yeah. Why not connect? <laughs> With the parents' room feed, this has been our question for 18 months. Why not connect, right? <laughs> and we've been checking the HDMI cable. And we've been checking the converters, and we've been ch- changed. We bought a new laptop, and uh, what else have we done? Anyway, Don and Pia and Laura will both burst into tears. Dougal as well, if we carry on talking about it. But in your life, if there's no connection, you'll be your whole Christian life will be that little dinosaur jumping the, and you'll be like everyone else will be talking about Google, and you'll be like, I don't get it. It's just a dinosaur. It's probably one of these things, I think. This is my, off the top of my head, these are like, I, these are the things that prevent me connecting. Pride, hurts, 
offences or, or, or fear of offences or fear of being hurt. Yeah, I, you know, that's the problem. The problem with hurt and offence is not so much the hurt, the moment you got hurt. It's the fact that your every all of your behaviour since that moment has been conditioned and coloured by that one conversation you had as a teenager in church or, or, or with school teachers or, or the way you've brought up in your family, that's shaped your thinking and sometimes it's preventing your connection. It's interfering with your Wi-Fi signal, right? Or it's your ins- sense of insecurity or inferiority. You think, well, maybe everyone else is chosen, but I'm not chosen, getting back to the other quote. Or, is that supposed to say busyness? Is that correct or is that business? I never can. That says Business? So it's not the business, right? So there's nothing wrong with you feel like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to go call my business. <laughs> no, uh, it's not business. Sometimes they're just busy. But I think busy busy sometimes is a really convenient way to not deal with the other ones that are a bit more weird, a bit tougher. Oh, I'm just too busy. Yeah, okay. I'm too busy not to come to the e-group, but to, I'm too busy to maybe deal with some stuff. I'm, I'm too busy to be in church. Oh, I'm, I'm not too busy. I'm just, but actually we're missing out is the key thing. It's not really about those things. It's not a sermon about pride, and it's not a sermon about hurts, and it's not about sermon about offenses. The other one I thought of is unconfessed sin. It's not a, I'm not wanting to preach about those things. I'm wanting to preach about the power of connection, making kingdom a reality in life. Things like forgiveness and the love of God actually impacting and transforming our life. They become a reality once we get past some of those interferences. Amen? Why don't you close your eyes, and uh, we're going to pray just before we close our service. And uh, one of the musicians come, we'll finish with a song of praise uh, just before we go. Uh, but maybe just take a few moments to reflect. I don't know everybody's life, and the last thing I would ever want to know is what's going on inside your heart. But perhaps, even as I was speaking, perhaps you, if something's come alive in you, maybe even there's, a, there's a, a flashing red light that's saying there's no signal. Maybe you've realized, oh, there's actually connection is missing. Oh, I'm missing a connection with Jesus. I'm missing a connection with the Holy Spirit. I'm missing a connection with other Christians through which Jesus wants to bless me. Maybe you're here this morning and and you've never decided to make Jesus king of your life. Maybe you decided a long time this whole Jesus thing was real, but maybe you haven't lived like it was real and you've walked away from God. This morning we can can lead you in a prayer where you can reconnect your life with God uh, so that the power and the wonder of who Jesus is can have a can begin to reflect in your life and in your world. So this morning, if you're here and you've never made that decision before, or perhaps you've made the decision to follow Jesus in the past, but maybe you've walked away from God, if you want to recommit your life to God, if you want to, you want to commit your life to God, just while everyone else has got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, why don't you just look up, catch my eye, give me a wave and say, that's me. I want to make a decision this morning to connect with God. I want to ask God to forgive me, and I want Jesus to be a part of my life. If that's you, just give me a wave. I haven't seen anybody's hand yet, but if you want to make that decision this morning, just shoot your hand up, give me a quick wave, and then uh, you can put your hand down again, and then we'll all pray together. Awesome. I haven't seen anybody's hand, but could we all stand together, church? I want you to lift your hands and, and as, as a way of connecting with God. Just lift your hands, open your heart. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move. Lord God, we just thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you for this picture of Jesus and his disciples sitting and eating together. And this divine reality connecting with them in a meal. Lord, we thank you for the power of that Pentecost story where your Holy Spirit impacts the lives of human beings and transforms humanity forever. We thank you that that's what's happening as we gather this morning. 
And Lord, we thank you for the picture of those disciples called and chosen. Lord, right now I pray you'd speak to each and every one of us about our own lives, about where things are at with us. Uh, Lord, uh, that, we'd, uh, that we'd be real about with where we're missing connection. Come on, just shoot your hands up and, and just respond to God. Where if, maybe there's stuff you need to let go of. Maybe there's some, some hurts you need to let go of. This is an opportunity for you to deal with maybe some of those things that are interfering with your connection with God. Maybe you have a judgmental attitude about other Christians. Maybe, maybe you have a superior attitude about other Christians. It's not unusual, right? But it's holding you back, not anybody else. Maybe you need to let it go. Maybe you have an inferior view of yourself. If you see yourself as anything less than a child of God, chosen and called by Him, then your view of yourself is incorrect. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, we welcome you to change our minds, change our thinking, change our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. He's a good God. I, I don't know how many people have been how many people have been using the prayer blast. We tried to put it into an acronym, but it's P T Y S T G C H or something like that. We could I was trying to say it, but Dougal pointed out there wasn't enough vowels uh, to make an actual word. Uh, but how many of you have been doing that prayer blast? I hope you find it helpful. And we'll, we'll keep reminding each other what it is. But um, it's sort of praying, uh, praising, thanking God, presenting our needs to God, presenting others' needs to God, which we've already actually done in our service. So we sneak it in by accident. We sing praise songs and we thank God for stuff. And then I got us to pray for each other's needs and our needs, right? Did you notice that? Uh, but I thought it'd be good to pray for New Zealand. Is that all right? It's Waitangi Day. And as we close our service, I wonder if we could maybe get into pairs or groups of three or whatever, if whoever you're with, get into a group. And, and let's pray for our government. Let's pray for uh, what's happening at Waitangi, the, the physical place, Waitangi, the Mariah. Let's pray for what happens there today. Uh, let's pray for our nation to continue to move towards healing, to continue to move towards breakthrough. Let's thank God for His role in, in, in bringing us in, uh, bringing us into being a nation in 1940 if it wasn't for God working in that situation anything could have happened that could have been far more difficult who we are as a people right uh, so let's thank God for what he's been doing and let's pray for the leaders of New Zealand today that they'll be able to continue to lead us to place a great health as a nation amen so cool so find someone else to pray with so you can agree together uh, we'll pray for 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes however enthusiastic you are we'll, we'll do it from there and then the team is going to lead us to the song of praise <laughs>